0: Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode with me Will Faulkner behind the microphone solo again as today we go through my rolling 22 for the All-Australian team after the first eight rounds of the AFL season so far. Before we get into any of that I just wanted to say a massive thank you to everyone who sent messages and Give me some feedback on the first couple of episodes, the one with me and Dites to kick things off episode one, and then also my solo episode late last week. I really appreciate it, And especially to all the people listening across Australia and also overseas in the UK, both England and Scotland. Really means a lot, and hopefully you guys will continue to enjoy the content that's being rolled out. I'll get straight into it. I'll be going through each of the 22 players today that I have in my rolling All-Australian team. For the most part there's a lot of statistical backing for these players as to why they're in my 22 so i'll go through each of the categories that these players rank elite in or at least the most important categories that they rank elite in on top of that i'll add in my own little comments as to why i think they should be in the team and what they bring to the team that other players don't in the competition at the moment i'll touch on the honorable mentions at the back end of the show so If you're keen to hear as to who I think was very unlucky to miss out, stay around till then. A lot of you will follow me on Instagram at featuring Forks and I actually didn't leave any honourable mentions in the comments, which I normally do for my team of the week, but I haven't done for All-Australian. No easy letting down of any players or just fluffing my way through it. I want it to be cutthroat. So this is the Raw 22. As always, there are players who are very unlucky to miss out on the final cut, but it is quite a small sample size. In the scheme of things, it's only eight rounds in, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of changes come round twenty four at the end of this season, but for now, we'll kick things off straight into the defenders. Starting off with St. Kilda's standing captain while Jack Steele was out injured, Callum Wilkie. He's been sensational for the Saints so far this season. He's been crucial for St. Kilda in probably seven of their eight games so far. He's a natural leader. He's a great leader. He hasn't been on the list for that long in comparison to a lot of the other players who are considered senior. With Wilkie, he ranks elite in all of disposals, marks, tackles, intercept possessions, which is obviously very important as a key defender and intercept mark. He often weakens. In week out has a massive role for the Saints in keeping their defense locked down and under control. I know a lot of St. Kilda fans who rate this guy as the most important or the most valuable player at the club, the MVP per se, he's been elite. I've had him in my team of the week a lot of the time so far this season, and it's very easy to see why. The statistics back him up. In terms of do I think he'll stay there for the rest of the season, if he keeps things up at this rate, I can't see why he wouldn't be. He's probably been the standout defender of the first six that I'll name and has, as I said, has played a crucial role in St. Kilda's success so far this season moving on to who i think is the most underrated player not just as a key defender but in the whole afl competition this season that is jack buckley i know a few of you will know that i'm very red hot on this guy i think he's an unbelievable player He sort of come out of the blue for a lot of people even myself included really hasn't played that much at afl level but he ranks as a key defender elite in tackles one percenters contested possessions Ground ball gets. Not easy when you're a tall man like he is. Pressure acts, spoils, and contested one-on-one. So that is an enormous list for a lockdown defender. He's doing exactly what the stereotypical lockdown defender would do. He's doing it at a very high standard for someone who's just really come on the scene, doesn't have that much experience at AFL level. In terms of his importance to GWS's team, I think he, when Sam Taylor was in the team before he got injured, he was allowing Taylor to go up the ground, intercept a little bit more before the ball went to his half of the defensive 50. Now that Taylor's out, he's had to pick up that extra responsibility, but I think he's done it perfectly well. He's just doing it week in, week out. I think he's someone that... I would really hope selectors are switched on to. He's someone who will probably continue to fly under the radar for a little bit longer, but let the record show I'm massive on Jack Buckley. Do I think he'll be picked at the end of the season? It's hard to say. If he keeps this up, I absolutely would have him as a lock. Probably just second to Cal Wilkie and another centre-half back that I'll mention very soon in the episode, but he had been my top three defenders out of this six so far this season. He's done a phenomenal job and I can't wait to see him take his game from strength to strength. Moving on to the second back pocket. Now, this was an interesting pick, I think. There haven't been many back pockets that have really stood out. So when I say back pocket, I don't mean typically not a key defender, more of a running defender. But there haven't really been too many in my eyes that have stood out this season. So I defaulted back to a defender, Harris Andrews. He's a previous All-Australian. He's done some great things for the Lions in the last few years. Has had a very good season season. season so far. He's probably the last I would have picked in this six on field, but that doesn't mean he's not doing things right. He's elite in one notable category, which is score launches. So the definition of score launch you might hear a couple times during this episode. A score launch as stated in the glossary of champion data is a scoring chain that is launched by an intercept possession, free kick, hit out to advantage or clearance. So in the case of Harris Andrews, that would mainly be intercept possessions. He wouldn't be having too many hit outs to advantage, not too many clearances either. So mainly from intercept possessions, maybe a couple of free kicks as well, but he's in the elite category for that. Other than that, he has been great or very good in a lot of other categories, almost every other category. He's been great on a number of direct opponents also this season, has held down the fort very well for Brisbane in alignment with Jack Payne, especially over the last couple of weeks. But Harris Andrews is their main man. As I said, there weren't many running back pockets this season, so that's why I have him in there. He probably doesn't make the All-Australian team at the moment. I don't think he's playing the best we've ever seen him, but he's still doing a very good job, and that's why he is probably the sixth defender I've got on field at the moment. Moving on to the second half of defenders in my team, Nick Dacos. He's been elite in a plethora of categories so far, and I will touch on why he's been elite in these categories. As a running half back, goals, disposals, clearances, inside 50s, contested possessions which might surprise a few people ground ball gets goal assists score involvements he leaves the comp generals defenders so not key defenders anyone else that's not a key defender and also pressure acts he has been considered elite that's nine different categories that nick dacos ranks as elite in across the competition as a general defender the reason he has so many categories that he's ranked as elite is definitely to do with his friendly role. Collingwood revolved their game plan out of the back half, very much around him, but he does a very, very good job with it. Better than anyone else has that we've seen. The only thing with him is shaking off a tag, which we've seen the last couple of weeks, Ben Keys and Ryan Clark from the Crows in Sydney, respectively, have really locked down the clamp on him. He's still been all right, but he certainly hasn't had the impact that he had in the first six rounds. So Nick Dacos, I think he's a lock in this team so far. Um, he's been quiet the last couple of weeks, but his first six weeks absolutely launch him into this team as a running half back and definitely one of the better ones to do it so far. Far this season moving on to the center half back of the team darcy moore now he ranks elite for inside 50s contested possessions contested marks and score launches so he's starting a few of these scores chains for collingwood the interesting one for me there is contested possessions So alongside contested marks he's getting right in the brunt and the grunt of the contest he's an elite leader he stands up tall in all the big games he's on heater right now has lost just two one-on-ones all season at centre-half back and has, as a side note, made my team of the week four weeks in a row. So he's been going very, very nicely and I'm certainly noticing him and his efforts and leadership down at Collingwood. The last defender I have is a first-year player, Harry Sheezel. He's someone who's gone off the chart. He has skyrocketed into contention for the Rising Star this year. Was probably placed at about fourth or fifth favourite. Clear favourite now, in my opinion, probably just alongside Will Ashcroft in second. He ranks elite sheasel for disposals, contested possessions, ground ball gets, stoppage clearances, goal assists, score involvements, and pressure acts. So he's doing all the good things that halfbacks should be. His role similar to Dacos. North Melbourne's game plan doesn't revolve around him anywhere near as much as Collingwood's does with Dacos off the halfback line in their defensive half, but he's doing all the rebounding, doing a great job for North Melbourne, a shining light in what has been a morbid six weeks for them, crashing back down to earth after their 2-0 start. That'll do the defenders. Now moving on to the midfield part of the ground. The next six players, I'm a massive advocate of picking genuine wingers. The AFL selectors just do not seem to do it when it comes to All-Australian. They very rarely pick genuine wingers. I think Ed Langdon was named last year, which was a nice little win for the advocates like myself, but it's very, very rare. Josh Dakoffs, he is a genuine winger. I'll be picking him in my team. He's elite in uncontested possessions and shots on goal. So the interesting thing is with wingers, genuine wingers, they are statistically not overwhelming in comparison to the other players that they're ranked alongside with for these stats. That's because they're compared to midfielders. There is no separate category for genuine wingers. It's a little bit harder to sort of work out who's playing on a wing authentically. Ranking elite in uncontested possessions is certainly an attribute you want your wingers having. It means he's finding his own space, getting away from his opponent, burning them on the offensive. Dacos does run back in defense as well and helps out. So those two stats being uncontested possessions and shots on goal, don't sleep on them. They are quite important, especially as a winger, as I said. Like Darcy Moore, he's also stepped up in the big moments. So a lot of leadership going on down at the Collingwood at the moment. Been very impressed by them, as you would have heard me say a few times this year. But he is the first of my wingers picked. Heading into the midfield, the center, the nucleus of the All-Australian midfield. Clearly, I think the best midfield in the competition, which will ruffle a few feathers, I'm sure. But Marcus Bontempelli. Get a load of this. As of the end of round eight, he ranks elite as a midfielder in tackles, one percenters, effective kicks, contested possessions, all three of center, stoppage, and total clearances, marks inside 50, contested marks, goal assists, score launches, tackles, tackles inside 50, pressure acts, and spoils. That is a ridiculous amount of stats. That is 15 categories that Bontempelli leads the competition for. Or is in the top 10%, I should say. Ph- phenomenal. This guy's a freak. He's going to win the Brownlow this year, I think. He can shake off a tag, which is a massive green flag. He can still have his influence on the game, even when the opposition decides to give him some hard attention. And he's doing it like no other at the moment. He has time like no other. Probably Scott Pendlebury is the only other player who's in that echelon of just when he's got the ball, looks like he has more time than anyone else. He is an absolute lock this year, barring injury in the All-Australian team. So very, very happy to have him on board. Rounding out the other wing for my rolling All-Australian team after round eight, Mason Wood, his season to date has been outrageous. One of the best I've seen from a winger in quite a long time. He ranks elite in all of goals, marks, one percenters, effective kicks, intercept possessions, contested marks, intercept marks, goal assists, shots on goal, and spoils. So this is actually contrary to what I was saying about Josh Dakos before about how he Has still had a very good year, but doesn't rank elite in many of these categories because he's compared to your average midfielder. Mason Wood is burning a lot of genuine midfielders in a lot of these stats. So again, as I've said before, this means he sits inside the top 10% of all of these categories, which is quite remarkable. His change to a wing permanently this season at St Kilda has been sensational. He couldn't have done much more, I don't think. If the All-Australian Selectors are picking genuine wingers, he will be the first pick ahead of any other winger. So Mason Wood, I think he's a lock at this stage if they go do the right thing and pick genuine wingers. Moving on to the ruck. Now, it wasn't a two-way tie, but it was close between Tim English and Rowan Marshall. I went Tim English. I think he's just been slightly more impactful on games. Don't get me wrong. Rowan Marshall has been out of this world, but Tim English beats him, I think, just by a little bit. English, elite, disposals, marks, tackles, rebound 50s, effective kicks, intercept possessions. Possessions uncontested possessions, intercept marks, tackles, and pressure acts. His work around the ground has been phenomenal. The one that I pick out, particularly there, uncontested possessions, means he's just running his opponent around the ground, getting that loose ball that you don't see all other ruckmen get. He's really acting as a fourth midfielder for the Bulldogs, and I'm a massive fan of him. So he is definitely the ruck at this stage. I think Marshall's really the only other one that could take down his spot and make it his own. Sean Darcy's probably just had a slow enough start to the year that it's probably realistically out of reach. Not impossible, but out of reach. But yeah, English is definitely the ruck one for my team so far. Clayton Oliver, the first of the ones on ball as a Ruck Rover. He has been touted as a heavy Brownlow prospect this year. I don't think he gets it. I think Bont gets it. But, however, has been phenomenal this year. He's just been Mr. Consistent. Really just burned his opponent into the ground, much like I was talking about English, but just in a different role. Oliver is elite for disposals, handballs, contested possessions, uncontested possessions, intercept possessions, ground ball gets, centre clearances, total clearances, score involvement and score launches. So he's in and around the goals, he's getting it out of the contest, he's getting it out of stoppages, picking the ball up off the ground as you expect from a midfielder of his calibre and also just getting much more of it than anyone else I think he's a pretty safe lock at the moment a lot of people I know are massive on him this season think I've probably under talked him a little bit don't get me wrong I think he's been awesome I think he's going to be right up there for the top three top five of the Brownlow this year an easy pick for Ruck Rover in my rolling all-Australian team moving on to the Rover Tim Taranto a lot of controversy around him lately with the comments Kane Corns made about him not being in the top 150 players in the whole of the competition personally I think just an outrageous claim I know he was saying that champion data back up his place is about 120th in the comp at the moment, based on a formula they have for the best players in the comp so far this season. I don't know what it is, but Toronto is definitely passing the eye test. I think he's been almost on par with Clayton Oliver, has played a massive role in keeping Richmond in games that they've ended up losing, but nonetheless keeping them in games. He ranks elite for disposals, handballs, contested possessions, ground ball gets, center clearances, total clearances, marks inside 50, shots on goal, which is great for a midfielder. Tackles, tackles inside 50 and pressure acts. So really not too dissimilar to Clayton Oliver. Probably has picked him in a couple other areas. Has been a great recruit by Richmond. I just don't understand this outrage from Kane Corns as to why he's being rated so highly. I think he passes the eye test and in a lot of statistical groups is doing a number on a lot of people. So Tim Taranto, quite an easy pick for mine. We'll move on to the forwards now. Isaac Rankin, he's my first pick from the Crows. Maybe a slightly surprising selection for some on a half-forward flank. He's been one of the best recruits up there with Tim Taranto so far this season. He ranks elite for goals, stoppage clearances, total clearances, contested possessions, marks inside 50, shots on goal and score involvements. A genuine superstar of the game. I think we all saw a bit of what he had to play with up at Gold Coast, but he really has moved to a new level down there at the Crows. In terms of do I think he holds his position for the rest of the season, I think it's touch and go. I think he's been playing really well so far this season, kicked a goal in every game, was really kicking a few bags at the start. But I think maybe the experience of other players probably pips him. I also, all Australian selectors get real wacky. I hate it when they do it, but they pick genuine midfielders on the half forward flank. So I think that really hurts Rankin's case for a spot in the end of season, all Australian. But for me, he's in there picking him by position. Great start for him so far this season. Now, the best player in the comp, no surprises here. He's sitting at center half forward. Jeremy Cameron, a ridiculous number of categories he ranks elite for. I'll very quickly go through them. We all know these. But Frank's elite for goals, disposals, marks, kicks, effective kicks, inside 50s, contested possessions, intercept possessions, marks inside 50, intercept marks, shots on goal, score involvement, and score launches. I don't really have much else to add than what I haven't already said about him. He's a lock. He'll absolutely be there come the end of the season. The only thing that would stop that would be a season-ending injury. He's on the road for 100 goals. I still haven't changed my tune. I don't think he gets there at this rate. I think he's sitting around 93-94 if we're playing averages, but I think staying on the park is going to be his main thing. Geelong will want to make sure he's right for finals, and I'm sure Jezza will be wanting to play every single game this season. I hope he does. I really hope he kicks as many as he can, but he's an absolute lock into this starting 22. The second half forward flank, Toby Green, I don't think he's gotten anywhere near as much credit for this season so far as what he should. Both as an unconventional leader as seen from the outside by a lot of media personnel, but also just the way he's gone about it has done so much for the club this year on the field. Ranks elite for, again, a plethora of categories. This actually pips Cameron for how many categories he's in, but it might have to do with his partial midfield role at times, but Green, elite four. Goals, disposals, kicks, effective kicks, inside 50s, contested possessions, ground ball gets. He leads the competition for forward 50 ground ball gets by a fair margin, which is very, very impressive. Marks inside 50, contested marks, marks on the lead, shots on goal and score involvement. So the one thing I point out, as I said before, leading the competition for forward 50 ground ball gets, getting to the ball before defenders in the offensive half, but also contested marks through player of his size. So he's doing it in the air as well as on the ground marking on a lead as well he's doing it all shots on goal he's providing opportunities for the Giants I think he'll be there come end of season again the only thing like Cameron the only reason he wouldn't be there would be a disrupt to his season which would be along the lines of a suspension as we've seen previously or an injury I hope he stays fitting on the park for the rest of the season because I think we're going to see him right in his prime as he has been the first eight rounds of this season Now going through the second half of the forward line, this guy I think is clearly the best small forward in the competition at the moment. Charlie Cameron, he ranks elite for goals, marks inside 50, shots on goal, score involvements, score launches and tackles inside 50. Doing all the good things that a small forward should be doing in the top 10% of general forwards. He's been electric for Brisbane so far this year. He's been kicking goals left, right and centre on a real heater at the moment. Similar areas to Darcy Moore where just week after week in this last month, he's been virtually unstoppable. He, I think, would be there come season's end. He's definitely been one of the better players for Brisbane this season and has time and time again shown us why he is the best to do it in the business. He'll be there back end of the season. No qualms. Now on to the player who is second in the Coleman medal so far this year, Carlton's Charlie Curnow. He's had a very good season, has been tipped as one of the best players in the competition by a lot of people this season. He ranks elite for goals, effective kicks, marks, marks inside 50, contested marks, marks on a lead. Shots on goal, score involvements, and spoils, interestingly enough. Clearly, his marking prowess is the one thing to highlight out of those stats. He's in the top 10% for marks, marks inside 50s, contested marks, marks on lead. He's in the top 10% for four different categories when it comes to marking, so he's clearly been the main target for Carlton, and I say clearly, despite the fact that Harry Mackay is in the team, has been taking a plethora of marks, he seems to be the guy that they're hitting up in range of the goals. He'll be there season's end. I do think he's the second best key forward in the comp. Tom Hawkins is not far behind, which will lead very nicely into the player I'm about to analyze next. But nonetheless, Charlie Curno, full forward in my rolling team at the moment. As I said, that rolls nicely into the forward pocket. Tom Hawkins, I know what you're thinking. He's a key forward. Why is he sitting in a forward pocket? He has absolutely come to his best football in the last five, six weeks. Started off really slowly. A lot of question marks were hanging over his head from A lot of recognized journalists. He's been sensational ever since about round two. He ranks elite for goals, marks inside 50, marks on the lead. Goal assist, he's got the most of any tall forward in the comp. So he's playing very selfless football, giving it off to his teammates. Jeremy Cameron probably being the best beneficiary of that. Shots on goal, he also ranks elite as well as score involvement. So he's doing everything inside forward 50 to make sure that his teammates and himself are having a crack at goals when they can. As I said, lines up really well with when Geelong finally came to the party in round four. Sorry. They had a tough loss to Gold Coast in round three. But round four against Hawthorne really came good. And his last five games from there have been sensational. Kicked a bag of eight, a career best not that long ago against Essendon at the MCG. I don't know where he stands in terms of whether he or not he will be selected, whether or not he will be selected in the end of season All Australian. Obviously, still a lot to play out. He probably will get managed at some point during the season. Chris Scott loves doing that with his older Geelong players. But if he keeps this up, it's going to be really hard to leave him out. And if he gets picked in the forward pocket, it's almost too good to say no because he has been great. Vintage Tom Hawkins. I think he will definitely give the other small forwards a run for their money when it comes to claiming this forward pocket position. But that rounds out the forward line. I've got four players on my interchange before we dive into a couple of honourable mentions. Jack Sinclair, the first of mine, he's been sensational for St Kilda. One of the reasons he probably hasn't found his way onto my field would be just purely the fact that he's been rotating in and out of the midfield. He's had 30% tendencies at center bounces so far this season so he's been used as a defender and a midfielder it's quite hard to smash someone into one of those positions when they're playing a dual role bit of an easy way out for me to put him on the bench but certainly not reflective of his season so far he ranks elite for disposals kicks handballs inside 50s effective kicks contested and uncontested possessions ground ball gets center clearances total clearances and goal assists like Dacos I think this helps a little bit the fact that he has been playing inside the midfield Stats like his center clearances and total clearances are way up on the numbers of other defenders, just simply because they don't attend center bounces or most stoppages. But the fact he's been able to work his way into the elite category for goal assists shows that he's making up a lot of room across the ground. And when he is playing in defense, he's delivering it straight to their forward line. He's almost skipping the mid part of the ground, which is great pushing up high, playing that really attacking halfback role and attacking midfielder for that matter as well. I think if he keeps this up, it's going to be very hard to see him leaving this All-Australian team. I don't know where he ends up playing. In the midfield, it might be a little bit harder for him to snag a role with just the pure calibre of players rolling around at the moment. But if he plays a little bit more defence, I'm sure he'll find a spot across halfback. The All-Australian selectors just quietly love picking blokes who aren't in their proper positions. But if he plays enough defence, I'll allow it. He's definitely a welcome addition on my bench. Jordan Dawson, the second player there, elite for kicks, one percenters, rebound 50s, effective kicks. He's number one in the whole competition, which really shows of just how good his kicking is. Intercept possessions, intercept marks, score launches, and spoils. So he's doing it at both ends. His effective kicks is really setting up his teammates in the Crows forward line up for success. At the same time, no lack of intercept possessions and in gameplay, intercept marks. He's been probably the standout player in the competition so far. There's been a lot of talk as to if he can do it when he was going to come into his prime and we're just seeing that now. has been the Crows best player all season. I don't think it's that big a surprise that he is in this team and probably a little bit stiff actually to not be in the starting 18 on the field but has been sensational. A great leader as well so he'll be leading the Crows to as much success as they can achieve this year. Christian Petrarca, Melbourne's second midfielder for this team. He is my third spot on the bench his clearance work uncontested and contested possession he's all ranked very good so I will preface before going into the elite category that he is faring very very well ranked very good which means the top 35% in the competition I think Clayton Oliver stealing his thunder a little bit in some of these categories so that's why there may not be as many elite categories as you may imagine with Petrarca but nonetheless goals disposals inside 50s ground ball gets marks inside 50 goal assists shots on goal and score involvement he's all up there in the top 10 percent of the competition him and oliver are a force to be reckoned with i think they are impossible to match up on when they're at their best you can't tag two guys in the midfield it just takes away from your own team's ability to win your own ball they complement each other really really well I'm going to be very interested to see just how far Petrarca alongside Oliver can take Melbourne this year. I think they take a fair bit of the steering wheel. They'll be controlling that most of this year alongside Gorn and Grundy in the ruck. Definitely Christian Petrarca. There is a spot available for him in this All-Australian come season's end. The only reason I can't see him making it is probably to do with Oliver taking the limelight off him a little bit, as I've said before, but they're both absolute higgs when it comes to being around the contested pill. Not a shock at all if he makes it at the back end of the season. Last one I'll have on my bench is Connor Rosie. He ranks elite in goals, marks on a lead and shots on goal. So clearly it isn't statistically anywhere near as overwhelming as a couple of others I've read out on this list, but his importance in games has been undeniable. You can't put a number on everything in the AFL. I think this is a classic example of just that. His defensive work has been nothing to sneeze at either. He's been working really well both ways. Just because he's been doing it elite one way doesn't mean he's not doing it the other. In terms of his longevity in the All-Australian team this year, I think he'll be touch and go. He probably does need to lift his game by about 5% to stay in the team, which I think it sounds extremely harsh because he's having an unbelievable season. But just the sheer caliber of players that are missing out, which this last bench spot could have been taken by several other people, which leads me into a few honorable mentions. Tom Liberatore, He's actually had a fair bit of goal sense about him this year from the Western Bulldogs. Kicked seven from his first eight games. His tackling pressure has been as good as ever and his pressure acts in general have been great around the contest, as we all know. He's definitely someone who I think can sneak in there come the end of the year for an all-Australian blazer. Tim Kelly from West Coast. His contested pill work, just like Libertore, has been sensational. Probably had a career best. Now, the biggest stat for him that caught my eye, he averages seven score involvements per game in a low-scoring team like West Coast. That is remarkable. In a decimated outfit, he's just been putting it on week after week. He performs really well against the stronger teams, which is an interesting attribute. You don't see that for many players. They, I actually think he plays better against the better teams. So he's someone who I definitely think keep an eye on. If West Coast can get a few of their players back and have a little bit more success, I cannot see why he wouldn't make the N22 for the All-Australian this year. Ron Marshall, someone I touched on earlier, he's in All-Australian form, but he's just been pipped at the post by Tim English. With the plethora of players playing well this season, I don't know if there's room for two Ruckman. It'll be interesting to see if the All-Australian selectors go against the grain as they have in previous years and pick two of them. I think Ron Marshall's playing as good as he possibly can be. If the All-Australian selectors can find room for the both of them, I would absolutely encourage them to pick both. They've been sensational. But yeah, Ron Marshall, just a victim of the success of others. Tom Green, he's been getting the ball like an absolute pig this season. Missed one game through suspension, but has not affected his ability to rack up the uncontested ball and the contested ball this season. His score involvements and pressure acts as well have been something of note. He's been great. He's going to be one of the best players in the competition in a couple of years' time. Mark my words. Keep this up. He will be in the conversation as well. Maybe his experience might cost him a little bit alongside GWS's success come season's end for a spot in this team, but he's around the mark, obviously. Noah Anderson from Gold Coast has really been on the heater the last month or so. Took Miller's injury seems to have lifted his output once again He's been kicking goals he's been kicking in general phenomenally um, his clearance work alongside Matt Rao has been some of the best in the competition actually one of the best in the competition alongside Petrarca and Oliver when it comes to those numbers he again like Green might be a victim of a lack of success inside his club I can't see Gold Coast and JBS winning a plethora of games and that is often indirectly a measure of guys selection in all Australian as is just how successful their team's been Keep an eye on him. Took Miller coming back later in the season may affect him, but that's still yet to be seen. And the last one I'll close out on, Tom Papley. His clearance work as a small forward, rolling through the midfield occasionally, he's been very, very good. His shots on goal has been exactly what you want of a small forward. He's probably somewhat, he's probably the one person I think could have contested for Tom Hawkins' spot on the field, just being a legitimate small forward. But Hawkins has been too good to not add in there at Papley's expense. I also think he's got a little bit more left in him. He's playing very well, but I wouldn't say he's playing the best we've ever seen. So hopefully, if the Swans can get back on a winning streak, he will be right up around his best and can give the rolling twenty-two All Australian a good crack. Be interesting to see where he sits at round 16 when I next do these predictions. Other than that, everyone, it's been absolutely pleasure to go through these names with you i hope again have been able to give you guys a little bit of a statistical insight as to why these guys are in my best 22 in the competition at the moment i'm always interested in hearing your thoughts as to who you think's been the best in the comp and in and around the mark it's always very controversial picking teams like this so i'm keen to hear your feedback as always please continue to let me know how you find the solo episodes it is an interesting one Going to have a lot more voices back and forth in the coming episodes. But just while we're getting off the ground, thought I'd just give you. As I said, some statistical insight and some backing as well as a few of my opinions on my own, but we've got a few really good guests coming on in the next few weeks that are very exciting. You'll be hearing less of me, which is never a bad thing, and more of the people that are in the sporting industry and know their craft inside and out. I'm still trying to get there, but these guys are the cream of the crop when it comes to insight, so I can't wait to give you guys all of that. Thanks very much for listening. I won't keep you any longer, but really appreciate all the support, and hopefully I can continue to make these episodes better and an easy listen for you guys, but until next time, thanks very much much and enjoy the rest of your day.